in high school at some of the local area churches. And I remember trying to inspire the people to be involved in evangelism, be involved in God's work. And so I said, turn in your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1 and verse 5. And so people turned, and it took a little bit of extra time. You don't have to turn there. You probably have the verse memorized already, right? So I turned him to Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, and I said, God has some awesome plans for what he wants to do here and now. Listen to the word of the Lord. Habakkuk 1, 5, it says, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe even if you were told. And the people said, Amen, praise God. And I said, God has some awesome plans for what he wants to do. Years later, I was reading my Bible, and I read Habakkuk 1, verse 6. And then I realized that the astounding things that I had preached so passionately about from the book of Habakkuk were actually not good things. They were bad things. Verse 6 says, But I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. And it goes on to talk about punishment because God's people were rebelling against him. And I got really embarrassed. Oh, man, I totally took that verse, and I, and I helped people think it said something that it totally didn't say. And I realized that even though I've had a lot of education since then, it's easy to maybe not only misinterpret a verse, it's easy to just skim the surface and not really mine the deep truths and the deep realities that God wants us to receive. So that's why we're launching into a sermon series. Uh, If you look at the front of your Bible, it's called Mining Scripture. Because we want to dig deep into God's Word. We don't want to misinterpret it. And we don't want to miss the gems and the gold that God has for us deep in wonderful passages. And so I've picked intentionally verses that are very familiar to us But I think as we go through this series, you're going to find that there is something deeper, something more, something that God has for you. I was reading in a devotional book this week, and in my devotional book, I read this phrase. It said, it is impossible for any human mind to exhaust one uh, promise or one truth in the Bible. That means that no matter how familiar you are with a passage or a verse or a book, or a story, there's always something new to learn. And you got to believe, when we get to heaven, God's going to open up the Bible in whatever form it appears in heaven, and he's going to start telling us things that we never even dreamed about. He's going to make connections that we never would have made. So today, as we launch into our passage, I'm excited to see what God will reveal to you and to me. Our passage for today is Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And without looking at it just yet, does anybody know what it says? I'll give you the first couple words. It says, let us not grow weary. And then what does it say after that? Well, doing good for in due season, we will what? Reap if we don't lose heart. A lot of us grew up listening to the scripture songs in the cars, going to school in the morning. I won't sing my version, but maybe... You can tell me your version later. It seems like when Sarah and I compare scripture songs, we always have different tunes to some of the classic verses. But does anybody, without looking at it, know what comes before or after that verse? 
I was asked that one day by a, a, a man on the street. He said, okay, do you know this verse? And I said, yeah, I know this verse. It says such and such. And then he said, okay, what does it say before? I was like, uh, I don't know. And then it was kind of his gotcha moment, like, aha, gotcha. So you don't really know a lot about the Bible, right? Okay. And then he shared some things. There are different ways to share the Bible with people. That was not one of the most effective ways. Uh, yeah, and then I just kind of did that, didn't I? Illustrating a point. <laughs> the point is, all of us are good at knowing certain verses, but are we really good about knowing the context? What's that word context mean, anyway? Basically just means the background, the setting, the circumstances. You see, the book of Galatians was actually a letter. It was sent by the Apostle Paul almost 2,000 years ago to a church, a group of people in the city of Galatia, which is in modern-day Turkey. And I wasn't there in that time, so there's a lot that's very different uh, today from that day. So we have to realize the context, the setting in which something is, is written. I have a letter, or actually it's a transcript of a letter, uh, with me today, and I just want to read a couple of sentences from you, and I want to see what you think about it. Towards the end of the letter, it says this, For every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know that there is some corner of another, another world that is forever mankind. So, you tell me, what's the, what's the letter about? Kind of hard, okay, involve the moon somehow. What do we need to do to figure out what this letter is about? Okay, see who wrote it. Maybe we could read the whole letter. I won't read the whole letter. Let me read a little bit earlier. These two men are laying down their lives for mankind's most noble goal, the search for truth and understanding. Oh, okay, so we have something about the moon. Now we have two men laying down their lives. It sounds like people died, this letter. Oh, who are these two men? Let's look just before this. It says, these brave men, Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin. Wait, what? Know that there is no hope for their recovery, but they also know there is hope for mankind in their sacrifice. Now some of you have puzzled looks on your faces. Why? Right, so they didn't die on their mission to the moon. But here's a letter. This was written by one of the speechwriters in case something went wrong on that first manned mission to the moon. In the event of that, Richard Nixon would have read this speech that was sent as a letter to his chief of staff. At the very top of it, it says, in the event of moon disaster. Now, see, if I'd read it from the very beginning and told you that, it would have made a lot more sense as we'd gone along, right? But you get the point. When you know who the letter's to, what it's about, it's a whole lot easier when you start reading small portions of the letter to understand what that small portion is about. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, if we want to understand what verse 9 is about, we probably should know a little bit more about the rest of the letter, right? We could do a whole class and a whole seminar and a whole session on the book of Galatians, but I just want to point out a few things even right there in the 
uh, immediate context in the verses surrounding verse 9 that's going to help open up a whole other depth of understanding for what this classic Bible promise is all about. If you look, just skimming your eyes along chapter 6 in verses 1 and onward, it talks about if somebody falls into sin, what the proper response should be. Be gentle, exactly. Be gentle with those people. Be careful lest you also fall into sin and temptation. We're there to help each other out. We're there to carry the burdens of another person, but then Paul also says, but then we all have our own load, our own responsibility that we're supposed to bear. Verse 4 and 5. Verse 6 starts to talk about our responsibility towards teachers and instructors and how when we've received, it's, it's appropriate for us to, to give back and there's various ways that that can be done. But then we get to verse 7, and I think you'll see verse 7 and 8 really connect to verse 9. Mining deep into this passage, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be what? Mocked. The Greek there evokes a picture of somebody thumbing their nose or something turning up their nose to God. Nah, 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 nah. You guys ever do that sometimes? If you do, maybe you get in trouble. <laughs> I've heard kids sometimes do that. But, but Paul's saying God can't be mocked because of what comes next. A man reaps what he what? What he sows. There's a cause and effect relationship going on here. He continues in verse 8. The one who sows to please his sinful nature or his flesh, in some translations, will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Hmm. A man reaps what he sows. If you sow to your flesh, to your sinful nature, you're going to reap destruction. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap life. Have, has anyone ever planted a garden before? You planted a garden? Sarah and I hope to plant a little garden in our, we have kind of a back patio. We're going to get some grow boxes and plant some things. And we haven't discussed everything that we're going to want to plant. But if I wanted to plant, let's say, cucumbers, Love eating cucumbers. Anyone else like cucumbers? Okay. I like the little lemon cucumbers before they get yellow, before the seeds get really big. Uh, they never get bitter, at least whenever I've had them. And they have such great flavor, but they're a really big pain to peel. We're going to plant some cucumbers. So I go to the garden, and I plant some cucumber seeds. What am I going to expect to find growing up in my garden? Avocados, naturally, right? Pumpkins? No, it would be totally unexpected. We would say, oh, they must have put the wrong seeds in the bag because, of course, when you plant cucumber seeds, you always expect to have what? Cucumbers. cucumbers. And weeds. That's a miracle, you know? It's a miracle how weeds always grow. It's like an object lesson that God provides for. Weeds grow up through concrete. How does it happen? I don't know. But Paul makes a really obvious point. He says, you reap what you sow. So if you plant seeds for the flesh, for the sinful nature, you're going to have more of a sinful nature. 
But on the other hand, if you're starting to sow good things, if you're planting good things in your life, you better expect that good things will begin to grow. Now, if we had time, we'd read the whole letter because that's really how we would really understand the very best. You can read the whole letter of Galatians on your own. But if, if some of you were paying attention to the language, you probably remember that Paul, just before this in chapter 5, uses the same type of language, flesh and spirit. So go back to Galatians chapter 5 and look at verse 16. Galatians 5 verse 16. So I say, live in the spirit and you will not gratify the, nature, the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under law. And now he describes what it looks like when you're living in the flesh. Verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. They won't inherit the kingdom of God because they wouldn't be happy in heaven. Get to heaven, living like this, and and then they're like, hey, where can we go kill people? You can't kill in heaven. Ah, man. Well, where can I lie? Where can I steal? You can't steal it. Ah. It's so important what we are feeding, what we are sowing in our life. So it's no wonder when Paul says you reap what you sow. I read a very interesting book called The Perils of Power. And in that book, he was talking about the dangers of leadership or the dangers of Uh, of life in general, and he said, regarding lust, he said, lust never satisfies. It only stirs up. Sometimes people think that they can satisfy a craving by that particular thing, but it only makes that craving even stronger. Paul says, don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. If you're sowing for the sinful things of your nature, it's just going to make that nature stronger. It's going to grow those weeds even bigger in your garden. The reality is we're all spiritual farmers. What kind of seeds are we planting day by day in our lives? I remember a long time ago, I I found myself starting to use words that I didn't learn in my house. And I was like, why am I saying these words? Where did these words come from? And then I remembered that, oh yeah, that program that I liked watching, it, it had those words in it. And I realized without even knowing it, seeds had been planted in my heart and they were growing fruit that wasn't fruit I wanted in my life. You're all spiritual farmers. We're all spiritual farmers. What seeds are you planting in your life? But then the opposite. He said you can also sow to the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 22 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And you know them well. They're love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. You're not going to get arrested for being loving and joyful and peaceful and patient. Amen. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature and his passions. Since we live in this spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. 
So, so seeing this backdrop helps us understand when we get to verse 9 in Galatians chapter 6 a little bit better. We've learned God's not mocked. People reap what they sow. We're all spiritual farmers. We're either sowing seeds to, to, to grow and cultivate the good things in our life or we're sowing seeds to cultivate the bad things in our life. And then, in that context, Paul says, let us not grow weary while doing good. For at the proper time, in due season, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, if we don't lose heart. You know, I had read this verse for so long in my life. I'd quoted it, I'd sung the song, but I never realized the verses even that were surrounding it. We're all spiritual farmers. What kind of seeds are you sowing? Because verse 9 tells us, if you keep sowing the good kind of seeds, eventually good things will start growing in your life. There will be a harvest. Have you ever become weary while doing good? You ever said, you know what, I want to grow in God. I know that reading the Bible will help me grow in God. You start that Bible reading plan or you start that devotional journaling or you start trying to pray more regularly and then life happens and you grow weary. Paul says if you keep sowing those spiritual seeds in your life, they're going to grow. Some types of plants, it takes a little bit longer to germinate. Some types of trees, they have to send the roots down real deep before they can grow real tall. In the spiritual realm of things, Paul says, don't grow weary sowing good seeds in your life. Because you're all spiritual farmers, what kind of seeds will you sow in your life? What kind of seeds are you going to be sprinkling in your family's life? In your children's, your grandchildren's life? Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, that word proper time, Paul uses, it's the word kairos in Greek, and he uses it to refer to Jesus Christ in 1 Timothy 2, dying at the right time. He uses it later in 1 Timothy 6.15. At the right time, at the kairos, Jesus will return again to this world. So here he uses it again saying, at the right time, there's going to be a harvest in your life. There's going to be good things that are going to happen in your life if we just don't give up. And then verse 10. Look at verse 10. He says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You know, there's, there's a right time when the harvest will come, but Paul says every time is the right time to do good to, to those around us. We're supposed to do good to all, but let's start with the people on our pew. Let's start with the people in this church, the people in our families. Because they too are farmers. They're spiritual farmers trying to sow seeds. What seeds are you going to sow? Seeds for the flesh or seeds for the spirit? There's a lot more we could say about this passage, but I hope that you've, you've received just a little glimpse of how the scripture has so much depth to it. I remember hearing a story about a man who was a miner. He'd heard about gold, and he wanted to strike it rich also. This man moved out 
He found an area where it looked like there was good prospect for gold, and so he staked his claim, he purchased the land, and he began to dig. He started digging into that hillside, taking that pick, you know, hammering away, pounding away, swinging away, hauling out, you know, load after load of rock and gravel and dirt, and eventually he struck gold, and he was so excited. He kept going and going and getting this gold out and selling it. Pretty soon he'd paid off the land that he had purchased. He'd paid off his equipment. He was paying off. Uh, It was starting to become a profitable enterprise. And then the vein of gold disappeared. He tried following it this way. It disappeared. He tried following it the other way. It disappeared. But he thought, you know what? If I just go a little bit further, if I dig a little bit more, maybe I'll find it. And so he kept digging and digging, and digging, and eventually he said, that's it. Gave up. Sold the mine to somebody, and he moved away. You know, the interesting part about the story is what happens next, because the man who bought it from the man, the first miner, only had to dig three more feet until he struck it really, really, really rich. He had stopped just a little bit short. I'm not promising this morning that God will make you really, really rich. But I do believe that God's word is filled with all sorts of gems, all sorts of gold, all sorts of rich, powerful um, experiences that God wants you to have. I believe in your families, God wants to enrich your experience as a family. God wants your marriages to be even better. God wants your relationships with your children or your grandchildren or your your relatives to be even better. He wants your own personal connection with him to be better. You're all spiritual farmers. The question I have for you this morning is, what seed are you going to be sowing? What seeds are you currently sowing in your life? Time for some self-reflection this afternoon. And what seeds do you want to start sowing? And Paul's encouragement and counsel to you and to me this morning is simply this. Let us not become weary in well-doing, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Keep going. God is on our side. Lord, we need your help. There are a lot of distractions out there. There are a lot of things that sometimes we think we want. But when we get them, we realize that's not what we wanted. I pray that we will not lose heart in this spiritual journey. That we'll keep sowing seeds for the Spirit. Sowing those positive things in our life that will help our relationship with you to grow. Our relationship with our spouses, our children, or our neighbors to grow. That we might reap a wonderful harvest as we await the great harvest of this earth when you return someday soon at the right time to take us home with you to your eternal kingdom. Be in our hearts. Give us courage. Give us joy. Give us strength and perseverance. And we pray this in the powerful and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you and keep going forward.